We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Today I want to step into part two of our three-part series called When the Devil Knocks. Can you say that with me? When the Devil Knocks. Has he been knocking this week? Come on now. You know you don't have to open the door when he knocks, right? Someone may say, why are we talking about the devil in church? Well, here's the reason. We're not here to glorify the devil. We're not here to make him out to be some big bad thing and that attacks our life. We're here to expose him, and we're here to understand his plan and his purpose for your life. Understand this. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and so does the devil. Both have a plan for your life. And so if we're going to defeat him when he knocks, if we're going to choose to make the right decision to not open the door when he knocks, then we're going to have to know his purpose. We're going to have to know his M.O. And it's all because why does he knock? Why does he come at us? Because we're in a spiritual battle. Someone say spiritual battle. And, And let me just say this. Let me say this. The devil hates that you're sitting in God's house right now. He hates it. He hates that you're here. He hates that you're following Jesus. He hates that you make a decision every week. Anybody ever wonder why there's so many attacks on Saturday night or Sunday morning to keep you from God's house? Anybody ever had that today? You had that on the way? Yep, yep. You had a reason to not come, right? You're always going to have a reason. Why? Because the devil hates that you're sitting here to hear the word of God because he knows that the power is in the word of God, that when you hear the word, that's your weapon to defeat his plan and purpose for your life. Now, the devil has a mission statement. Jesus has a mission statement. We've read that, right? What's his mission statement? I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Another one of his mission statements is that, that... that he's here to seek and to save the lost. He's a friend of sinners, the Bible says. But the devil has a mission statement. You know what it is? He said, my mission statement written in hell, etched in hell. They have plaques and, and all kinds of signage in hell that says, that says the mission statement for the devil and all his demons is to kill, steal, and destroy every Jesus follower that he can. That's, that's his mission that's his mission. So, so we have to know that. He's called in scripture, Satan, Lucifer, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, the deceiver, the accuser, the destroyer. And Paul said this about our spiritual battle in the book of Ephesians. And this is our, our scripture for this series. Our main scripture is Ephesians 6, 12. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Your neighbor is not your enemy. Go ahead and tell him you're not my enemy. Go ahead, your spouse, that's not who you're fighting. Go ahead and tell them, I'm not your enemy, I'm not the devil. I know you thought they were this week, but that's not your enemy. The enemy's not that boss that you said, I swear the devil uses him or her every week. That's not the enemy, right? 
So, so, so what is it? But it's against, who's our enemy? It's against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So you have an enemy. I have an enemy. And it's not a matter of if he attacks. It's he's already attacking. He's already attacking our lives. And, and we have to be aware of how he operates of what his plan is for our life so that we don't live a defeated life. The saddest thing I see as a pastor is Christians, born-again Christians, living a defeated Christian life. You ever been around somebody and like, like just once in your life can you say something good about life? If you live with them, just look straight ahead at me. Like, seriously, the glass always half empty? Like, can we say one good thing? Well, the sun is out. Yeah, but it's burning my skin now. <laughs> well, it's raining, you know. Yeah, and, you know, my plans were ruined, you know. It, it's just like everything. We, 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 we have got to learn how the enemy operates because God did not call call us to live a defeated life. He wants us to live an overcoming life. He wants us to live a victorious life because of what the cross represents. We have spiritual weapons to defeat the lies of the enemy. Someone say, when the devil knocks. And the truth is, the more that you press into your relationship with God, the more you get planted in the house of God, the more you serve in the house and give in the house, the more the enemy attacks your life. Isn't that crazy? It's like when I wasn't serving God, when I wasn't going to church, everything seemed to be great. But the moment I make a decision to give my life to Christ, to turn my back on the past, to turn my back on some failures and some sins in my life, that's the moment it feels like all hell breaks loose. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah, it's the truth. Because why? He hates when you grow spiritually. He hates it. He hates when your faith begins to grow. The Bible says it is our faith that pleases God. We worship him by faith. We hear the word of God by faith. You're here every week so your faith can grow. My prayer is that my preaching grows your faith because it is your faith in your God that will defeat your spiritual enemy named Satan. It is your faith. He hates when you learn to trust God. When you're in the middle of the storm and you don't go back to your old devices when everything goes bad. Oh, am I preaching in here? Hmm? First service was louder than you. I'm always talking about how you're the loudest. Cat got your tongue? What's up? He hates when you grow spiritually. He hates when you build your faith. So last week we looked, or the first message in the series a few weeks ago, if you didn't hear it, grab the podcast, but we looked at Satan is the deceiver who attacks our minds with lies. Today, I want to look at this thought that Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. Someone say accusations. Accusations. Um, I remember our first year of marriage, my wife and I will celebrate 18 years, June 17th. And uh, (laughs) praise God. But I remember our first year, we were living straight up on Love. Anybody ever remember living on love? Some of you are there right now. 
You're like, baby, I don't care if we got to live in a cardboard box. As long as I'm with you, we good. And we were living on love. I mean, love. That's all we had. And um, that's all we thought we needed. And we're going through the first year, and we're living in this trailer, praise God. And um, I, I didn't care. We were, we were <laughs> baby, I just want to be with you. We in love, we in love, we in love. And then after a while, you realize that bills start to come in, and you gotta, you got to have more than love to make it. you got to have some money. And then after a while, my wife's like, you know, we did the trailer. It's nice, but I want a house. Really? I thought we were living on love. I thought you said, till death do us part, we'll live in this trailer. This is great. This is awesome. I can touch both walls when I put my arms out. We were living on love, y'all. I mean, the AC unit, you could see the sky through it. We were living on love, y'all. Raymond noodles every other night, and then the other nights were PB&J with crunchy peanut butter. Come on, somebody. We were living on love. But I remember that first year, and, and we recall this incident often over our 18 years. We got in our first big fight. Anybody remember your first big fight with your spouse? Like, it was all love. It was all kissy face up until that moment, right? I just need you. I just need you. That's all we need. And then all of a sudden, boom. We're driving to my parents' house, and, um, and uh, I said something that I now regret today. And um, I told my wife what she did in this certain situation was stupid. Okay, it was 18 years ago. Chill out. Some haters up in here. And she said, she got all mad because she said I called her stupid. I said, no, I didn't call you stupid. I said, what you did was stupid. She said, no, you called me stupid. I said, no, I didn't call you stupid. And we're going back and forth. And she's like, yes, you did. You called me stupid. I'm like, I did not call you stupid, woman. I said, what you did was stupid. She said, stop the car. I said, okay. And I slam the brakes and we go flying forward. She gets out of the car and starts walking along the road. I'm driving. Get in, babe, right now. Get in before the church people see you. That's the only thing I was worried about. I was the only thing. We are pastors in this city. We were youth pastors under mom and dad. The church people are going to see us and they're going to leave the church. Because you're out walking on the road telling everybody that I called you stupid. I did not call you stupid. What you did was stupid. Finally, reluctantly, she gets in the car and uh, we continue on. But I, I never forget that because I remember how I felt for the next six months. I felt like a failure, right? As a husband, as a leader, as a pastor. And I remember the voice of accusation that kept coming up in my ears. You know that voice that accuses you. You know that voice that tells you you're unworthy because of the mistake you made. Oh, you know that voice that tells you you'll never be enough. You know that voice that whispers the accusations in your ear. That tells you you'll never be 
be good enough as a father. You'll never be a good mother. You can't even take care of yourself. How are you going to take care of these kids? That tells you because of your past, you're unqualified to be used by God. That tells you because you've been divorced, God can't use you and the church doesn't want you. The voice of accusations. That's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to talk about today because truth be told, I get up here every week and I hear that voice. You're unqualified. You're not enough. You treated your kids bad this week. How are you going to tell them to treat their kids good when what you said to your kids wasn't right out of anger? The voice of accusation. The voice of accusation. The fiery darts of the enemy that come to accuse us, to tell us, We're unworthy, we're not enough, we're unqualified. Every person in here hears them, don't we? Look at this, Revelation 12.10 describes this accuser that we're talking about. It says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now come the salvation, now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the what? Accuser of the brothers and sisters, that's you and I, who accuses them before our God. When? Once in a while? Every other Monday? Day and night has been hurled down. We know that Satan had been kicked out of heaven. We looked at that in part one. But look at this scripture. Look at this. Who has all the power? Who has all the authority? Who reigns over the kingdom? Our God. But who accuses us and tells us, We're not worthy. We're not enough. Who accuses us to the one who is in authority, who has all power? It is Satan, the accuser. It is the accuser of the brothers and sisters. And this word accuser, the Greek word for this is diablos. Diablos, it means the devil or Lucifer. 35 times this Greek word is used in the New Testament to say when, when you see the word accuser, it means it's the devil. Someone say it's the devil. It's the devil who comes and accuses us and lies to us and tells us we are unworthy. Here's, here's kind of what he does. Before you sin, he lies to you, doesn't he? He lies to you. Go ahead and do that. It's not a big deal. No one will find out. Right? He, he lies to us. Everyone does it. You deserve that. Huh? I know people in the church who do that too, and they got away with it. You, just do it once. You won't get caught. He lies to us, doesn't he? Before you sin, he lies to you. After you sin, he accuses you. You're nothing. You failed. God doesn't love you. God can't forgive you for that. Your life is ruined. You're pathetic. You don't, you don't even deserve to lift your hands when they sing worship songs on Sunday. You shouldn't even lift your hands for the kind of week you had. It's the voice of the accuser. The voice of the accuser. So before you sin, he lies. After you sin, he accuses. I'm going to say that again. Before you sin, he lies. After you sin, he accuses. And here's here's what we all feel, every one of us in here, when we hear the accusing voice of the enemy, here's what we all feel. Here's what some of us live off of right here. We feel that we were, that we are rather a mistake because we made one. Here's what we all feel. We feel I am a mistake because we made a mistake. 
Here's what I want you to know today. Just because you made a mistake, it doesn't mean you are one. Just because you made a mistake, it doesn't mean you are one. The accuser comes and lies to you and accuses you. Oh, you, you stole something when you were a kid and you'll always be seen as a thief in your family and around your friends. The accuser comes and whispers in our ears, well, you were divorced. God can't use you. The, the, the accuser comes and says, well, you, you, you filed bankruptcy. And no one wants, no one wants to be around you because your spending habits are out of control and no one's going to help you with your issue. The accuser comes and says, you're addicted to pornography and you'll always be addicted. You'll always be. You don't deserve to serve in God's house. The accuser comes and says, you had an affair. You committed adultery. Why would God want anything to do with you? Am I talking to anybody today? Has the accuser been whispering in your ear? Has he been telling you that you're nothing but a dirty, rotten old sinner? Has he been telling you you should be ashamed of who you are? Has he been whispering in your ear if, ear, if they knew all the thoughts were in your head, if we threw them all up on the jumbo screens, no one would want to shake your hand or be your friend? I came to help somebody today. Tells you you're unworthy to be at church. Tells you you're unworthy. You, you can't get baptized with your past. You, you can't take your next step. You can't serve on a team. You're unworthy. And the accuser hurls the, the shame and guilt and tries to get us to feel as if we are a mistake or we are a failure because we made a mistake or we failed. If you failed, if you have fallen, if you have messed up, Learn this. Learn quick to repent and get back up. Number one. Learn, number two, to receive his mercy and grace in your time of need. I love that scripture, in the time of need. We all have a time of need when we need his mercy and grace. And for those who don't think they have a time of need, you're beyond help. You're beyond counseling. You've got a religious spirit. You're a holier-than-thou person, and they don't last around this church. We love you, but you're probably going to fit in at another church. This isn't for perfect people. Number one, learn to repent get back up. Number two, learn to receive his mercy and grace. And number three, learn from your mistakes. Grow from it. Grow from it. Know the signs. Know the temptations. Know the accusations. Know the lies that he used last time because they're coming back again. I said they're coming back again. And so you, you got to grow from your... And this is why I love, this is why I love the spiritual meaning of baptism. It's so powerful. It's so powerful because it represents outwardly of an inward decision to let go of your past and to receive the future that God has for you. Come on. To let go of the past and receive. You're letting go of the past. You're dropping. You're letting it go. Why? Because God already let go of it if you repented. And let me just tell somebody out there, you need to let go of your spouse's past. You need to let go of that sin that happened maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago. Quit holding past sins over people's heads. If God let go of it, we need to let go of it and forgive them. 
Now, now listen, it's very important. It's very important that we learn to distinguish between Satan's accusations versus the Spirit's conviction. Did you hear me? So Satan, his accusations go like this. He comes to drive us away from God. Shame, guilt drives us away from God. The Spirit's conviction leads us to God. Satan's accusations, they bring guilt and shame. Satan, or the Spirit's conviction leads us to repentance and gives us hope. Hope. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. It is because God is good, not because I am good. It is because we have a good Father that leads me to the path of repentance. That when I fall short, when I miss it, I can go on the path of repentance because of God's goodness. Oh, I'm about to preach here. Satan, he wants to accuse us and wants us to feel guilty and experience regret and remorse even after we repented to God. Did you hear that? There is a time for repentance. Come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. There is a time for repentance, but the spirit then, the spirit convicts and draws us into the presence of God to experience the grace of God, something I didn't deserve. I got what I didn't deserve, and I didn't get what I should have deserved. Oh, I feel that with these red shoes on today. (laughs) The Bible says, confess your sins, confess your sins your sins. And when you do, he is faithful and just to forgive you. You confess your sins to your heavenly father. You don't need to go through anybody to confess your sins. You have direct access to the father. You confess your, and he is what? Faithful and just? He, he forgives you when you confess him? Oh, you got to get this. He forgives you. Quit holding on to something that God has already forgiven you of. Quit allowing people to dangle your past over your head when he is faithful and he's just to forgive you. He already did it. He already did it. So because he already did it and because you already repented, therefore there is now. (laughs) No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The past is over and the best is yet to come. You are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. But just because you made a mistake, it doesn't mean you are a mistake. Quit allowing people. Quit allowing people to label you by your mistake. Well, I know what you did. Well, what I did is not who I am. What I did is not who I am. I may have made a mistake, but I am not a mistake. I may have failed, but I am not a failure. I may have sinned, but I am not a sinner. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So mistakes. Someone say mistakes. Mistakes. Some of you have written off the calling and the purpose of God for your life because of your mistakes. You see, the Bible says that we are called to the ministry. Someone say ministry. Ministry. 
of reconciliation. That every person in here and every person listening, you're called to the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? You're called to give up the hope of Jesus Christ that you experience, the grace that forgave you, that changed your life, that puts you on this journey, this path. You're called to be a minister, to tell others about how he can reconcile their life. And some of you have put your calling, your purpose, and your ministry on the shelf because of something that happened in your past. You feel as if you are a mistake because you made one. And I'm here to tell you today, you are not the mistake that you made. You are not the sin you committed. You committed a sin, but you are not that sin. God doesn't make mistakes. When he made you, He made you in his very image. God doesn't make mistakes, but many times, church, we question God through the lens of our mistakes. God, I I feel like you missed it when you called me to be a mom. I feel like I'm never enough. I feel like I can't give these kids what they need. I, I feel like you missed it when you called me to be a father. I I don't know. I didn't have a father in my life. I don't know what I'm doing. am, Am I doing this right? I feel like you missed it when you called me to serve in your house. I feel I I feel like I'm never enough. I'm not enough to be a leader. I'm not enough to be on a team. I don't have it. I feel inadequate. I feel alone. I I feel like you missed it, God. And we hear the accuser whisper in our ears. His job is to accuse us day and night. He whispers things like, you could never be used by God with the past that you have. God doesn't want you because you're damaged goods. The abuse you faced as a child, the words that were spoken over you are going to stay with you for the rest of your life. You'll never be whole. Emotionally, you'll always be all over the map. God can't use someone like you. Have you seen what you look like? Hmm? Don't forget what you did last summer. How could God use you? You're too wounded from that incident that happened to you as a child. You're too bruised. You're fractured. You'll never be put back together again. You see, what you've seen, what you just experienced before that video you thought for a few seconds was a mistake. You thought in your mind something is going wrong and Pastor Jacob about to go off. (laughs) But what you seen as a mistake was all planned out. Last night I met with the production team and I planned this out. This morning we rehearsed it three times. We planned out the mistakes that you've seen. What we see as a mistake is really by design. Hmm. Sometimes what we see as mistake, God sees as design. You had to go through what you went through. You had to face the pain that you faced, the heartache, the loneliness, the nights you cried yourself. You had to go through it. It was all part of God's design because he's molding you and making you to the woman of God you're called to be, to the man of God. And he's putting destiny and purpose inside of you so that you can fulfill your calling and ministry here on this earth. He wants you to realize what you see as a mistake was really by design. He was protecting you from somebody and you thought it was God all along. But God said, no, I stepped in to protect you from your heart being broken. 
What you see as mistake, God sees as design. The whisper of the accuser of the brethren, the Bible calls him. He's the accuser of the brethren. That's you and I. He brings up our mistakes and says things. God can't use you and to help others. Your, emotion, your emotional pain will continue to destroy you until you leave this earth. That divorce, that marked you for life, and it was all your fault. That mistake you made to hang out with the wrong people, to start doing the wrong drug that got you addicted, you'll always be an addict. You'll never get free from that. This is the accuser. God comes along and he says, I'll take that pain and I'll give it purpose. Which voice are you going to listen to? The voice of the accuser or the voice of the spirit of God that is telling you, God's not done with you. God's not done with you. Well, you don't know my past. Listen, you're in good company if you have an ugly past because this Bible is full of individuals who messed up their life, but God uses them and despite their failures and their mistakes. Listen, I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you you're in good company with Noah. Noah got drunk, but God said, I'm still going to use you to build an ark in a desert. I want to tell you today you're in good company with Moses. He murdered someone, and then he led the children of Israel across the Red Sea. I want to tell you David committed adultery, but is used by God to defeat a Goliath and write the book of Psalms. I want to tell you that Peter was a hothead who cursed a lot and stabbed people with his knives, but God used him to walk on water. I want to tell you, ladies, that God used Sarah. When God came to Sarah and said, you're going to give birth to a son, to many nations will come out of you, she laughed at the face of God. But God still used her. I want to tell you, Rahab was a harlot and she was used by God. Elijah was depressed and suicidal and God used him. Jonah disobeyed God and ran from his calling. Paul was a murderer but writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Abraham lied in his old age. God can use you. God can use you. Mary was only 16, and God used her to birth the Son of God. Samson had long hair, and he fell in love with the wrong person. God can use long-haired people. Come on now. Zacchaeus was short. There's hope for short people. God can use you. Jeremiah was too young, he said. They said, you're just a youth. God can't. Young people, God can use you. And John the Baptist ate bugs. And God used him. I don't know what your excuse is on why God can't use you. But I find men and women in this Bible who took their mistake and made it their calling. Made it their purpose. And stopped listening to the accusing voice of the enemy that said, you'll never be used by God. You're not enough. You're not enough. Some of you have allowed him to talk you out of your calling. Because of what you did. Some of you have allowed him to stop you from serving in God's house because you say, I'm just, I'm too old to serve anymore. Let, let the younger people do it. No, this is a multi-generational church. And if you're not dead, you're not done, baby. God's not done using you. We need every, from the youngest to the oldest, serving. See, some of you have allowed the accusing voice of the enemy to keep you glued to that seat. 
You've been coming for months. You've been coming for years. You haven't taken your next step because of the accusing voice of the enemy. You say, well, you know, are you doing a push? Listen, I'm trying to get you to discover your purpose so you can make a difference in this life. Thank God for your job and thank God for Christ. And thank God you order your pizza every Friday night. But there's more to that. There's more to this life. And once you discover why you're on this earth, it changes your life. It changes everything. It changes everything. Because now you're making a difference in someone's life. Now you're a part of the ministry of reconciliation. I'm a minister of hope. I'm a minister of grace. Why? I got grace. Now I'm going to give grace. I got hope. Now I'm going to give hope to somebody else. And it's time you get up. It's time you stop sitting. And it's time you start serving. And it's time you start discovering your purpose in God. God's not done with you. I don't care what another preacher said. Well, you're divorced. You can't serve here. Every divorced person can serve in this church. I'm telling you right now, I don't care if you've been divorced 2,500 times. I don't care. Huh? Well, I just got out of jail. Praise God. We got a team for you. Well, I'm still addicted. Praise God. We got a team for you. Now, the only people who don't like this are religious people. And you guys don't last long around this church anyway, so... There's a team for you. Why? Because we want to walk with you on the journey. We want you to help, help you find freedom, to get free from your hurts, hangups, and habits. What if we came in here and said, all right, only perfect people. If you didn't sin in the last seven days, those are the only people that can lift your hands and worship. Those are the only people that can give in the offering, and those are the only people that can serve on a team. Guess what? We ain't got no preacher up here every week. We ain't got no one in the parking lot, no one in kids' ministry, nobody greeting you with smiling faces. We're all taken out, folks. You are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. You you see, what we see as mistake, God sees as design. God said you had to go through that. You had to face that challenge. You had to go through that storm. You had to have your heart broken so you knew that I'm the only one that can put it back together. That your identity and your worth is not found in a relationship, but it's found in me. Oh, I'm out of time. I feel like preaching. God pursues you and I in our mistakes with his unstoppable love that never ends. His unrelenting mercy and grace says no sin, no shame, no past, no pain or mistake can separate you from my love. People will accuse you of what you did. The accuser will always remind you of what you did. But what you did is not who you are. What you did is not who you are. The devil tries to put shame and guilt. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame, 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 shame. I want you to walk down with your head down. Shame, 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 shame. That's the accuser. Shame on you. Guilt, guilt after you've repented, after you made it right. Shame on you. Guilt, guilt, shame, shame, shame. Never be enough. Unqualified. You're a mistake. Never, never. Shame, shame, shame. But God comes along and says, shame off of you, shame off of you, shame off of you. Because of my son, the shame comes off. The guilt comes off. You no longer have to walk in that any longer.
stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer, mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.